This is The Beat, the innovation podcast for the nation's capital, talking the latest tech, business, and startup news. And beer. With the DCNO team. I'm Sam. I'm Ryan. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to The Beat. A reminder before we begin to sign up for our daily newsletter, also called The Beat, go to dcno.com and sign up right on our homepage. Uh, Sam, what's up? What's happening this week? Oh, so much is happening, Ryan. You already know. This week on The Beat, you know, DC is pretty much the best place to be. Best um, place ever. Ever. If you're in innovation, if you're a woman in tech, it's beautiful. Revolution made a really big hire this week, and we are joined by Will from our sister site, Chicago Inno, and we're going to talk Chicago and D.C. and yeah. all that fun tech stuff. Uh, but first, let's have a beer. This week, I have the Commonwealth Brewing Company Big Poppy Double IPA. This is a New England-style-ish IPA, 8% alcohol, a lot of citrus. Will, what, let's hear your beer it's critique. It's a beautiful can. Yeah, it's it is a beautiful, beautiful can. I yeah. tweeted out a picture of this from uh, the DCNO Twitter account, um, so go check that out. You can see um, what we're drinking. But yeah, this is, this is a colorful galaxy. Uh, you can tell I'm more interested into the aesthetics of the packaging <laughs> than what it tastes like. It's tasty. It is good. I think it's a husband-wife brewing uh, operation in Virginia Beach, so... Family owned and operated, it says. Look at that. Look at that. That's nice. Do we want to? Do we want to get the big news out of the way up front? Do we want to talk about this now? The revolution news. No, no. <laughs> the fact that this is my last podcast on the DCNO beat, unfortunately. <laughs> I know. So I'm going to be leaving DCNO. I'm headed back to my home state of Massachusetts. I'm going to be joining a great organization up there called Hub Week, working to promote innovation in and around uh, the Boston area. So. Sadly, you will not be hearing my dulcet tones anymore in your your headphones every week, but you're in good hands with uh with Sam. It's all me, suckers. <laughs> yeah. well, well, more on that later, but let's get into uh, some making moves from this past week. We'll start off with uh, Revolution, the local venture capital firm that I think most people are familiar with. Um, made a big hire this week in J.D. Vance, who has really made a name for himself. He's a, a pretty young venture capitalist. He's been based in Silicon Valley until recently. Um, but he wrote a book last year called The Hillbilly Elegy. That's a memoir of his time growing up in you know rural Kentucky and Ohio and, and uh, Appalachia. And it's kind of been... There is some politics in the book, but it's been kind of after the fact pointed to as the the justification of like, oh, here's why Trump won the white working class and here are all the factors that, you know, the the quote unquote coastal elites didn't understand. So he made a really big uh, name for himself in that. So he is joining Revolution now to work with Steve Case on this Rise of the Rest tour promoting investment in startups and entrepreneurs across the country, um, not in major tech hubs, which... I mean, this obviously makes a lot of sense. Yep. Oh, of course. I mean, and he just moved to Ohio. He's splitting his time between now D.C., Ohio, and the Rise of the Rest tour, um, which makes absolutely perfect sense. At least that's what Steve Case was telling me. Um, they just connected one day talking about Rise of the Rest and Vance's move to Ohio and why he was doing it, and then it just... They connected from there. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I bought his book. I'm three chapters Good. in. Okay. So we'll see how it is. It's pretty crazy. It's it's like his circumstances growing up were 
were nuts. But interesting, um, interesting read. Will he be based out of Ohio? Uh, he, he's like splitting his time around. Yeah, but he's... but he was in the news recently because he kind of made this announcement that he was leaving Silicon Valley to move back to Ohio, yeah. and I'm sure that this was kind of in the works at the time that this came out. But I think he was kind of prompted to to get out of the this. San Francisco bubble and kind of get back to his roots. Yeah, and I hope he stays cemented in those roots. It's one thing I I admire the rise of the rest tour. I think it's one thing to promote investment uh, in in other cities that are not on the coast. It's one thing to invest in other cities that are that are out of the coast. So I, I hope that you know they they kind of take a similar approach to like drive capital, right? Drive capital isn't just about showcasing midwestern. And in central region innovation, they're investing in those. They only invest. So with someone who has roots in Ohio, you can actually do a little more than just spotlighting the stuff that's happening outside of the coast. You can help them scale and grow. Uh, a PR engine is important. Actual capital is, is going to make the difference. And he, ha- and you know, I think he has kind of that voice of authority now, um, being recognized as this this representative of you know, a, a large section of America that isn't represented in, in tech VC circles. Mm-hmm. So I think he can go in and play the I'm one of you card and have a little more credibility that way as well. Mm-hmm. What else is going on? We got a, a, a new food incubator yeah, in town. Yeah, we do. I know everyone loves food, so this is great news. Uh, people might be familiar with, with names like Union Kitchen or Mess Hall. This is kind of in that similar vein of a producer having a commercial kitchen space that they can split the cost with other food entrepreneurs. So this is a new venture called Tastemakers, and it is from the husband and wife team behind Captain Cookie and the Milkman Food Truck, which is, if you haven't had those cookies, they make some (laughs) solid cookies. But they decided they wanted to kind of scale up their operations, but also, you know, for a lot of these food trucks, small food businesses, it doesn't make sense for them to own their own kitchen. But so I think their their new space will have enough for eight or so other food entrepreneurs to work alongside them. And it's it's uh, up in Brookland in a former yes. mayonnaise factory. That's my favorite part. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, they have right by the metro. They have uh, three garages, garage bays for to, you know to yep. load up food trucks and stuff like that. So um, good to see the the food entrepreneur scene is is going strong. Yeah, big one this week. We are uh, we're number one. We're number one. We're number yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, there are two two big uh, surveys this week that came out that had DC at the top. The first one was. That D.C. is the number one city in the United States for women in tech. Yeah. Um, this is the third year in a row that I think we took home this, this oh, title. Yeah. yeah, it's casual. So it's what, what, what put us at number one? I mean, quite a few things. So it's uh, based on a smart asset report that looks at 59 of the largest U.S. cities that have enough tech workers based on census data that they can analyze. And basically, they're reporting that women in tech um, in D.C. make an average of $56,000 per year after housing, which, as we know, housing in D.C. is not cheap. And so that's a sizable amount. And 41% of tech jobs are filled by women. And in the past four years, employment growth for tech has grown like 17% or so, according to this report, which are all, like, great numbers. Yeah. Uh, um, the only minor downside here was that the 
male to female pay gap decreased slightly yep. from almost parity last year of 99.4 or something. Yep. And now it's down to 94%. So, you know, obviously still far better than the national average in tech, even better than the national average, um, you know, when it comes to all male-female pay gaps. But obviously something we want to keep an eye on if, if there's a gap starting to open from where we were last year. It's important that you guys keep winning this, whether, you know, you buy into lists and rankings and in different methodology. It's still important that you keep doing it over and over again, because I think there's a new list every year. We had a big post in Chicago six, seven months ago claiming we were the best city for female founders with a different set of methodology. (laughs) And I'm not dismissing one or the other. What I'm saying, I think they matter because it increases the perception that it is a it's an inclusive ecosystem yep. and when it happens more and more again the reason why lists like these matter is you're going to have uh you know a female founder all of a sudden say all right where do i want to start my business and the fact that it's over and over again at the top of people's tongue whether whether the methodology makes sense or not the perception that this is a place uh, that's friendly to non-white dudes building tech is really cool. Sure. And the consistency, I think you point out, is is the important factor mm-hmm. here that you know we've maintained um, our standing. The other title that we took on this week uh, was, uh, we'll start off the, with the slightly, slightly misleading part, which was that DC was named by um, Wallet, Hub. Wallet Hub as the number one state for innovation, which obviously we're not a state yet, Um, but also any, any list that, that uses DC data in comparison to states is, is inevitably going to be wrong um, because you're looking at demographics that mirror a large metropolitan city and definitely not representative of, of any state in the United States. However, on this list, D.C. was number one, Maryland was number two, and Virginia was number seven. So I think that speaks volumes to the larger DMV region as a whole yep. um, and the strides that we're making there. And this one was a little, was even more um, in-depth, I thought, methodology-wise in terms they were using census data, they were using yep. um, all sorts of you know, Bureau of Labor Statistics um, numbers to, to calculate in all different ways um, where each state ranked um so where where do we really kind of shine here everywhere we shined everywhere so i think one thing that is really important to look at when we're looking at most innovative state is just the demand for stem is it going to keep growing is there actual demand here Um, and in the dc metro area there is. According to Wallet Hub, by 2020, we'll have the highest demand of STEM jobs. Virginia will have the second highest, and Maryland will have the fourth highest, only beating out Washington State. I'm assuming Seattle plays a huge part in that, and beating out all of our sister sites. Yeah, um, we had a fun time giving all of our other sites a hard time today. Especially Massachusetts. Yeah. Which they were even close. I think Chicago came in at like 30th or Illinois. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't even sniff the top. A metric that was in there was percentage of STEM jobs to the general economy, mm-hmm. which is a little flawed because everyone gives San Francisco, um, 
you know, one of the reasons why they're in the, the trouble they are is because so much of that local economy depends on one industry. So why are we kind of pointing at that mm-hmm. example and saying, ooh, this is not how to do it, and then measuring it as a success metric in another? Yeah. I love that Chicago is one of the most diverse economies in the country and that no one sector of the industry represents <laughs> right. more than 30 We did not bring you on here to be so a booster for Chicago. Well. So uh, we great quality it. of life, good living. Uh, check it out, you guys, and hit me up. We'll, we'll <laughs> We're gonna cut all this out. We're gonna cut all this out. We're engineers. Need a lot of architects. I will throw in there one of my favorite uh, things that I noted when I was going through the methodology is that they considered drone-friendly regulations as like one of the measures of innovation, yeah. which DC absolutely fails at because you can't fly a drone anywhere in the district, um, and even in parts of uh, Virginia and Maryland, I think. So despite that, we still came out on top. So. Big, Take that. Big ups for, uh, for DC. In your face, everyone. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Will, you're here. Yes, you're I am. You're from Chicago. Welcome, first of all. Oh, happy to be here. And what a, I, what a great place. I want to say this spend... is my favorite state I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 51st state. This is a great state. We, um,. We wanted to take a little time and, and kind of riff on you know, your experiences in Chicago and Illinois um, with the innovation scene there, what you've seen um, you know, in, in the D.C. region through, through our reporting, through this excellent podcast that I'm sure you listen to yes. every single week. So get, what's like the 30-second synopsis of Chicago's tech scene? 30-second synopsis is that it is... It is getting better at knowing what it's good at, and it's leaned into it. Uh, For a while, like DC, I think, and where I see similarities, there was that problem of, oh, can we? How do we become the next Silicon Valley? And then everyone realized that that was a really foolish pursuit. Don't worry about being the next Silicon Valley; just be the best ecosystem you can be, and that means really doubling down on the stuff you're good at. So Chicago is really good at B two B. Why? Because they have a huge density of Fortune 500 companies. There used to be this saying, you go to the coast to build, you sell in the Midwest. Okay, now that you can build anywhere, why don't you build and sell in the same place? So that's something Chicago's got good at. It's boring, but we're great at logistics. Uh, we're good at food because we're big and we like eating. <laughs> good old Midwest. We love our food. Those we love our agriculture. Love Portillo's. A lot of Portillo tech. And I think there's similarities in Chicago and mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, we've gotten to that point good at identifying what we're good at and, and really building tech clusters around there. D.C., of course, you're going to be great at cybersecurity. So much of the data we need to protect is here in this weird little couple square miles. And the talent. In the talent, yeah. because th- th- this is what's going to pay for it. So, you know, let's double down on that. Let's be great at cybersecurity. Same thing, like... What What is Chicago's best advantage? Honestly, that we're in the middle of the country. So let's lean into that. Let's own logistics, uh, Coyote Logistics, Echo Logistics, Four Kites, Project 44, companies you've never heard of but have raised a ton of money that help trucks get from A to B faster. I think that's an interesting point because um, there's this, this uh, study that came out last year that was saying that D.C. or the D.C. area has the best return on investment for venture capitalists. And it's because the investments here are not like the sexy Snapchat, you know, 
throw money at, at any new app that pops up. But it's these kind of boring, under-the-radar things like cybersecurity, which a lot of people don't understand. A lot of data analytics uh, companies around here that have gotten a ton of money from yeah. you know people like Goldman Sachs, um, people like Bain Capital uh, that are that are dumping money into these you know these data analytics companies that most people probably don't use in their day-to-day lives, but pr- give really valuable information to a lot of giant companies. So I think once you get away from thinking about tech as, oh, we all need to be the next Facebook, mm-hmm. then really, like you said, capitalizing on your your geographic advantages, your um, industry advantages, that's what will make you a successful hub. Totally. And another similarity I see outside the fact that Chicago and DC are always in that kind of like five to eight ranking range <laughs> is that one... We, uh, and, and I don't know about you, but we are a city that really got over our identity of that. Our tech pillar is no longer a big deal. In Chicago, it's Motorola. Here, it's AOL, mm-hmm. right? And that is, you know, if you look at Seattle and, and San, San Francisco changes because they replace their fallen tech giants. We, like Austin and Dell, are cities where have kind of like never recovered from that. Uh, Groupon in in Chicago was this IPO darling and isn't what it used to be. You guys experienced that with Living Social, which Groupon acquired for nothing. But, you know, there's Grubhub, there's Cleversafe, there's TrustSub. You're you're starting TrustWave. You're starting to really build sustainable, pragmatic companies. But I think there's a lot of similarities in we had we, we've had some whiffs uh not to say Motorola or aol were whiffs because <laughs> they helped create a lot of technology and a lot of jobs but some of our pillars are maybe not what they used to be and and that i don't know i think that's cool and it's it's allowed for a lot of first-time founders to borrow really terrific talent and, and build on top of it talk to me about uh up data because this is a company i keep seeing the name of uptake Oh, Uptake. I'm sorry. Uptake. Uptake, uptake. not Updata. Yes. Um, is Updata a company, though? Maybe. We should start it. <laughs> Updata sounds like a company Done. that we could get a ton of money for. Uh, <laughs> so Uptake, all right. It's IoT for data. We've started Updata. We're looking for a $30 million, uh, $60 million valuation. Just uh, IoT for data. I think our tagline will be, what's Updata? What's Updata? Yeah. Yeah. You got some Updata on it. We got some Updata. <laughs> all right. Um, uptake. <laughs> Yes. So this company, Chicago company, um, recently w- people were kind of putting it out in the news as as trumpeting the fact that they got to a higher valuation faster than you know a company like Snapchat. Um, yeah. Uh, you they, know, incredible growth in an in incredibly short time. So tell me more about this this company. Sure. Uptake. Uh, so it's it's funny you like tell me about Uptake. That that's kind of the joke in Chicago tech is like even Uptake can't tell you about Uptake. Uh, uptake is is big data for the machine industry. It is the reason they've reached this valuation, which is they've reached a $2 billion valuation faster than any company ever. Uh, we in Chicago, are, are we don't get as excited about that kind of stuff because no one had raised, uh, no one had reached a billion dollar valuation faster than Groupon before. So we kind of get speed to valuations doesn't necessarily mean long-term success. Uh, we also had another company that, that was also one of the fastest companies to a $2 billion valuation, Avant, which was a lending startup, kind of ran into some trouble. So we're, we're, Uptake's interesting because uh, 
everybody is spending a lot of money to mine information from data. There's a concern, uh, I will spend a million dollars to mine this data hoping for a billion. There could be only $10 in that 100 million you find, but you need to mine your data and they are building a team really, really quickly. It's from a guy named Brad Keywell, who's one of the co-founders of Groupon, one of the most famous entrepreneurs, not just in Chicago, but in the Midwest, in the probably the country you outside of the coast. Uh, it's got a rock star team hiring a tremendous amount of data scientists, data analytics. They uh, got their first investment from Caterpillar. So they were able to take all of this legacy data from them to build their software. Because Brad Keywell was such a well-known name, he didn't have to sell them on technology. He got to sell them on promise. So there is a bit of skepticism like, so what do you guys do? Can you show me? And they can't right now because they're building it. But what they're trying to do is impressive. I know you guys have talked about your tech madness bracket. If you, To me, that's the easiest one to say to have win our bracket in Chicago because if they get it right and figure it out and are the engine for big data on everything that moves, uh, you know, they could help really cement Chicago. So for the record, Updata Partners is a VC firm here in D.C., so that's why that name was in my head. Um, Updata Partners. I guess while we're talking about the, the kind of Chicago-D.C. Uh, tech link, yes, um, we had a story up on the site this week about Kcura, the... Um, how do we describe them? They're an a e-discovery company. Yeah. So they basically have this technology that allows um, you know, someone like a, a law firm, if they're preparing for a case, to use uh, KCURE's tool to, to scan through thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents um, to search for something that might be relevant uh, to their, their case. So they started out in Chicago, but they um, acquired a DC company out in Reston recently. So Sam, you talked to them a little bit more about yeah. um, kind of what their last year has looked like since that happened. Yeah, I mean, they acquired that company, it was called Content Analyst about a year ago. So I checked in with them to just see what's happening because no one in DC has probably heard of them or knows that they're here, which is something that they were telling me while I was talking to them. A lot of it, so they acquired this company in Reston. The team is relatively the same size in Reston. It was like 20 people there. It's still about 20 people, and they're looking to double down in the next year or so. Up. And it's like pretty valuable technology. Yeah. And, I, and the example that comes to mind, which I don't think was was even their tech, but it was when uh, the whole Hillary Clinton email thing came out and the FBI was going through a whole new batch of mm -hmm. like 30,000 emails. Yeah. And all these like Trump supporters were tweeting out like, there's no way you went through 30,000 emails in six days. It's like, yeah, what year do you think we're living in? Like, we have this technology. Yep. Yeah, KCARE is really, they're all, we love those guys. Uh, we we kind of joke at the Chicago NL office that they're the perfect example of Chicago tech and that they're really fast growing, they're really pragmatic, they're solving a real problem, and they're super boring. Super boring. Mm -hmm. Super boring. That is Chicago tech on a nutshell. <laughs> if you need a process within your corporation to behave more efficiently, that solution is being built in Chicago, and it's going to put you to sleep. That's that's just like what we're really good at. And to what I think our Chicago's gotten really good at is kind of loving that you know and not being embarrassed that we're not building tinder anymore or, or building anything like oh we're not building snapchat we're not building cool tech we're building boring pragmatic tech and that's what chicago is and it makes money it makes yeah. money
This week on the podcast, we have a fun little exit interview with Ryan. Maybe you've met him. Maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> it, it me. It's you. <laughs> um, yeah, but basically we're going to reminisce on Ryan's year and a half to two years here at DCNO. It's been good. It's been real. That's it. That's the interview. We did it. Yeah, we're done. Okay. <laughs> we're done. What do we, so what do we want to talk about? Yeah, I think to start, maybe tell us a little bit about how you've seen DCNO grow and change since you've been here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can look at, at numbers. We can look at all, all sorts of metrics. But you know, I think one thing that's really stood out for me is, is how our um, newsletter has caught on. And we've tripled our subscribers um, in the time that I've been here. Um, and I don't accredit that to me. I accredit that to all of the work that our writers have put in. I, I credit it to um, kind of this unique way that we found, I think, to, to connect with um, a growing tech industry in D.C. And, you know, it's everyone from entry-level people who are reading to get their news and, and be more informed to the highest levels of, um, you know, C-suites across the, across the city. So... Um, it's been fun to, to have a voice on that and, and kind of be a part of that yeah. through this whole thing. Something that ties in well with that is just, I'm wondering what is maybe something you personally got from this job that you weren't expecting to get? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so I came from the government world before this, yeah. you know, and it was jobs that I really liked and it was an industry I really liked, but you know, this was an opportunity for me to do something completely different and move into a world that I was really unfamiliar with. Do stuff? And, and do stuff, exactly. <laughs> Instead of just sit there and, you know, screw over the taxpayers every day. <laughs> it's a big, big conspiracy. No one knows. No one actually wants to get things done. No, I, I, I had a great time working in government, but I, I kind of saw, and the reason I needed a new job was a, the end of an administration, kind of the political changeover, and saw this as an opportunity to move um, into a, a place I really had no experience, but seemed very interesting. And I think like a lot of people, the pretty much the extent of quote unquote DC tech that I had before starting was like, oh I, yeah, I went to a 1776 like challenge festival thing once. There are yeah. probably some startups here. And I think I was just so surprised and, and happy to learn that there's this entire uh, industry, there's this entire culture, there's entire workforce outside of government, um, and that was really refreshing to, to get into um, in my time here and meet people that were really engaged in um, uh, an industry that most people in D.C. don't know even exists. Yeah, well, I think maybe in that entire industry and in that workforce and all the people you have met, where is maybe one place where you see growth potential in D.C. tech? I mean... Cybersecurity is obviously going to be a huge industry, yeah. and I think there's the, the talent there. Um, I would look towards the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of change right now with the growth of Airbnb, how that's impacted the hotel industry, which we have Hilton, we have Marriott headquartered here. Um, I'm sure they're kind of in uncertain waters for the first time. And there are a lot of these young companies that are growing in the event tech space that, that there's a natural tie-in to. Um, to the the hospitality industry, you have these travel tech companies like Upside um, that are looking to capitalize on you know, how can we streamline booking for for business. So there is this more consumer facing, um, but also a B two B play in uh, in that space. So I think there's 
that's definitely some place to look. Yeah. Um, and well, you're leaving DC. Um, it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, but I guess for the third place Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, they're just a bunch of losers. Fail, <laughs> failing, failing Boston, sad. <laughs> so I guess maybe since you are leaving, what is maybe something you would like to see DC do? in the future or yeah. change or yeah so i think that when you're looking across all of the markets we don't have a cohesive entity that kind of draws people into dc and and you know that's not for um yeah, that's not trying to disparage the efforts of of kind of the county economic development people of the you know the district government um who have made efforts to draw businesses in I'm thinking more in terms of um, you know, looking at Boston. There, there are notable accelerator programs like Mass Challenge, like TechStars, that are there that can attract, with a, a very specific purpose, startups for a, a set amount of time with the possibility of keeping them there. And that doesn't really exist here. And I think, um, you know, I've said this before on the podcast that. 1776 in a lot of people's minds is a is a DC tech company when in 1776's mind they are not a DC tech company and they've been open about this they have said that their goal is to promote this idea of regulatory hacking and go go approach it in a global way you know they are not focused on fostering the DC tech ecosystem um, and that's not a knock on them that's that's just what their business model has always been but I think a lot of people have a misperception of what it is um, so I think if there's some sort of entity and that's we talked on a, a recent episode about this new venture between Vornado and yeah. Arlington economic development um, and this this uh, venture capital firm locally that are starting up uh, an incubator in Crystal City, and I think their idea is, is to foster local businesses and to draw capital into the region. And I think that's what we really need is a um, an overarching brand or something that can um, work on building up the local ecosystem rather than um, just being a brand name that is based here. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I could ask so many questions just based on that, but we have so little time. Um, so I'm going to switch gears. Your favorite DCNO memory Whoa. Oh, that you can man. talk about on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think last year's Tech Madness event, we like sold out the basement of Penn Social, and there was just like so much energy in the room around... Um, people being excited about this this competition between local companies, and the, it was like the first time when I was here where like everything really felt like it clicked, and it was like people are psyched about this, and there's a there's a there are more people than we can even fit in this room that want to be here um, to to celebrate and promote what the DCNO tech or DC tech community is doing um, and that DCNO is playing a role in bringing together. So that was yeah. pretty exciting for me. Oh man, that leads me to my next tough question for you because we all know Ryan brings beer to the podcast. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite beer that you have brought to the podcast? Ooh. Oh man. So I'm going to I'm going to kick it like real old school. So I think on like our second episode. Okay. <laughs> we it was like we didn't even know what we were doing with this podcast, and like if you go back and listen, like those those episodes are probably terrible. But 
we had said that we were going to be drinking different beer every week. And these guys reached out to me. And I got an email that was just like, DC Inno and beer. And the body of the email just said, what's your address? And I was just... I literally just said, I'm not going to ask any questions. Here's our address. So a couple of days later, we got this bottle of, um, it's Caboose Brewing Hobo Stout. And it was like this um, brewery out in Virginia that, you know, were kind of just getting their start. So I ended up emailing back and forth to them. And their beer was great. It was like this uh, vanilla stout. And ended up going out to the brewery and wrote a, a pretty long article about um these two guys that were former tech executives, they were subscribers to The Beat, so they, they knew about the podcast, um, two cybersecurity guys. And they just basically, one guy had had cashed out some of his equity. His friend like lived in town, didn't have a place to drink, so they decided to start a beer bar, <laughs> sure. um, start, start a brewery. So they bought this spot on a, uh, it's an old railroad track that's now a bike trail. So it's right off of there. And they started up this brewery and uh, they did like a farm to table restaurant to go along with it. So Caboose Brewing in Vienna, and it was awesome. So we went out there and um, tasted their beer and talked with them. They were really cool guys. And this all came about because of, you know, one, the newsletter, two, the podcast. And they just sent us this beer and ended up uh, getting to know them. And it was great. Perfect. So, yeah, beer with a story. A beer with a story. Um, well, I guess maybe my second to last question for you, Ryan. Um, favorite guest? Mm. Uh, or person you like gain the most insight from? Maybe that's a better question. Oh, that's tough. I mean, it's been a year of interviewing yeah. people now. And I mean, I think like the most high profile was Steve Case. Um, but his interview was like very focused. Like he he has the talking points down, and it was a it was like a in and out. Like okay, we're we're done now. Yeah. Um, like professional interview. Um, I'm trying to think of more. I don't know. It's tough. We interviewed you when you started. Okay, you can't cop out. Ah, that's a good Shit. one. Um, I don't know. We've had a lot of really good ones on okay. here. Okay. I, I think one that was fun was the uh, the guys from Notion Theory, which is the the um, virtual reality company. And the guy, Christian, just has, like, a super cool startup story of, like, he just, like, showed up in D.C. and was, like, living out of his car and trying to start up this thing and now, like, has bootstrapped this whole startup in an up-and-coming industry. Um, so that was, that was a pretty fun one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think my last question, unless you have anything else. Oh man, this is tough being on the other side of the microphone for this. I just have one question for you because, you know, having done what you do in Chicago, one of the hardest things is separating insight and authority from just liking the people who are building stuff. That's something you come across. You just, man, you dig these guys, you dig these people, and they're just really trying so hard whether you would invest in them or not. It's another story. But, like, now that you're uh, shedded of the editorial burden, who do you root for? Who do I root for? Man. (laughs) I mean, I want to see the whole region do well. Um, I mean, startups like Union Kitchen, I think, are really awesome, like, because that... 
I, I'm all about the model of startups that help other businesses succeed. Um, and Union Kitchen, I think, has a really awesome thing going where not only are they a startup themselves, but they help hundreds of local food startups you know, succeed in themselves in ways that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise, whether it's through distribution, um, through giving them access to uh, materials, space, or whatever. So I think that's a pretty cool one in my book. My last question. It's not so serious. Can you please give me the three worst qualities of Massachusetts? <laughs> uh, no, there aren't any. Um, let's see. The the Bruins haven't won a uh, Stanley Cup in like I don't know six years. Okay. Um, Celtics haven't won a championship in like six years. Um, Celtics. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's you know it's hard being number one. In everything, oh. except uh, I guess innovation. Yeah, a rankings. lot of things. A lot of um, things. No, tech I, loves. I I'm born and bred in Massachusetts. Uh, I can't say anything bad about it. Come on, let's be honest. It's the it's a great state. <laughs> U.S. News just called it the best state in the country. That sounds like a lie. How's North Carolina these days? You know, I love North Carolina. We're very problematic. <laughs> We're very problematic, but it has a great place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty much. Well, hey, it's been it's been real. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Um, Keep listening to the podcast, please. Um, And don't forget that right now we have voting still open for Tech Madness. We are in our final four. Woo! Um, We have what? We have Everfy. Yes. We have Spotluck. We have Front Point, and I want to say Park Mm McCloud. Yes in there which was one of my final four picks and i think the only one that made it to the final four oh, so wow. uh, i feel good about that not Great. picking favorites here yeah but um get online vote make sure you do that and as always sign up for the dcno beat go to dcno.com just really? do it yeah it's really easy yeah it's just me yeah so, here and we you go. get you get sam's witty banter in your inbox every day <laughs> lots of internal screaming who wouldn't want that <laughs> And thanks for listening. Thank you.